Thank you for joining us here at Fellowship Church for today's message. Our desire is to encourage others to love God, love people, and impact the world. And we would love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So take a moment and visit us online at fellowshipws.org. Find the Share Your Story button and tell us what God is doing in your life. While you are there, you'll also find useful information about our church and other resources that will bring you closer to Christ. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. And so today we're going to talk about how the body of Christ, are we becoming a church full of fans instead of being real believers and following after the word of God? Are we becoming the hype people? Are we here to really follow after God's heart? So I'm, I'm so happy that we, because I believe God is going to speak and he allowed our hearts and to get our shouts in so we could take the word of God could take root. The title of our message today, he said, Jesus is not looking for a crowd. He ain't looking for a crowd. And so it's kind of like we're going to do a, a heart check and say, God, am I a fan? Or am I really, am I really following after you? What's a fan? Being a fan, it doesn't really require too much. Sometimes, I'm going to talk about two cons, but being a fan, sometimes it means, you know, I can go to the game. I don't have to go to the game. You know, sometimes I can support this person. Sometimes I don't. I don't have to do everything. And I, I really, I was looking at um, this weekend. I'm, I'm not a sports fan by no means, but I've been really upset, like, how they're doing stuff. Like, you know, Steph, the past couple of years, I mean, everybody stuff, 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 getting shoes and jerseys and stuff like that. But this year is probably, I would say, from what I've heard, you know, maybe the, one of the roughest years in his career or just challenging for physical things. And then this week, on top of it, some things with his wife and all this stuff with social media and all that. Some of you may have heard of it. Not Just look it up. It's not really worth me mentioning in the pulpit. But I'm sure most of y'all have heard of Steph Curry. So then now you have all these people who were Steph this and now... What's wrong with Steph? Has Steph lost his this and Steph lost his that? No, it just made me upset. I'm not, I'm not, like I said, I'm not hardcore Steph. My daughter Lauren is, but I was like, why are they treating him this way? Why are they doing all this weeps? And I, so I wanted to give you that example as a fan. Also, we, with Facebook, we see that and stuff all the time. Before I was even on there, there used to be, I think they even called it fans before it was the like buttons. You could see, oh, how many likes you got and how many of this and that. And you think you got all these people following you. And you don't even know them. Don't even know them. Just saying you're fans of them. Even, so then we have another. We have those kind of fans. But then we have those who are some diehard fans. Anybody, children ever played sports or soccer or something like that? I mean, some of these parents, they start off all nice. But then they're yelling at the coaches. They're throwing stuff, yelling at the other kids. And they, they start tripping, getting mad at their kids when they get home. Why didn't you, you know miss that shot and da 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 they're all I mean they are just really getting obsessed is really what the word is I, I know some friends who have I mean get mad whole attitudes change it's just like I can't even talk to you because of this game and these things that have happened this is another thing I, some of you may have been familiar with um, this Coachella this is a concert some of you again may, may or not but it's this big music festival and everybody's heard of Beyonce well there was again in the media there was this kind of controversy because they felt like the artists that they had this year, they paid more than what they had paid Beyonce. 
I mean, the Beyonce fans were going. They didn't even, now all of a sudden, the lady's name was Ariana Grande. All of a sudden, they don't like her anymore just because they thought that she was getting paid more. And it's long story short, it turned out wasn't even the truth. Was not even the truth. So you have these people that are just fans. They get mad, that are obsessed. And I'm thinking, they're doing all this for mere man? They're, they're doing all this for people? I mean, going to bat for them. You ain't going to talk about my Beyonce. You know, all this stuff on social media. Like they really know them. And I said, all of this for Beyonce? Not give her props, but really? And, you know, and I always got to look at it. And we're here for the kingdom of God. When we are fans of God, we will tell and maybe even show God daily. Yeah, God, you know, I like you. I like you. You know, I might throw a prayer out there once in a while attend church on Sundays every now and then if I feel like it. Sing songs along. We might even, you know, we don't have it anymore, but join, uh, I was going to say Sunday school, but we may even come to, you know, clusters every now and then. We may even give money or go on mission trips or, you know, be on different boards, but that doesn't mean you're saved and truly following after Jesus. You, that, that, that's my prayer doing this. does not mean, it just means you're good at doing good works. You're, you're just good at doing just some good things. And there are things in your life that you find more important, like work or sports or TV or money, whatever that you choose, than over having a God a relationship than you have with God. And then you end up feeling really empty. God says if you do those things but don't have a growing relationship, a growing relationship, if I am still not the most important part of your life over everything else, then those things you do to please me or maybe more truthfully make yourself feel less guilty are meaningless. They're meaningless works. And you're just kind of a fan. You're just a supporter of Jesus. In reality, if you're just showing God that you like him, but you don't love him, then you're just a fan. And I think, and I'm, I'm, I'm God is showing me, I, I come from a place because I think for years I would probably was a follower. I probably was a fan, more than a fan than a follower. You know, in a large part, it was because I was confused knowing about Jesus without really knowing Jesus. So I'll say that again. I was confused about knowing. I heard him. I've gone to church, knowing all this stuff, but I did not really know him for myself. So there is definitely a difference between the knowledge and the intimacy that we have with our God. I, threw up, I grew up thinking, you know, really, it was my knowledge and really good behavior that would make me a follower of Jesus. I always tell this story sometimes. I thought there was a bad devil and then there's, you know, the good angel. You don't see that too much on TV, but that was the picture I had in my head. Oh, he's going to make me cuss sometimes. Or, oh, he's going to make me, you know, do this or that. But I did not realize that there was an enemy who was after my soul who wanted to steal, kill, and destroy me and to take me out if I could. It's more than just a cuss word. It's more than just stealing or killing. He was after my soul. He was after my soul. And then I was, it wasn't until I loved Jesus and I knew a lot about it, but I didn't know him. And most importantly, I wasn't listening to him speak into my life. But I remember a day and I remember connecting with my husband now and coming in this church and Somebody was singing, somebody was dear in my heart, just saying, There is none like you. No, no one else can touch my heart like you do. Yes, God. And I can search throughout eternity, Lord. 
knew my heart's desires in that. He was real. He was a real thing, a real being. The spirit of the Lord was what was drawing me and what was apprehending me. Was I a little nervous? Yes. But I said, God, if this is you, bid me to come. Bid me to come. So my prayer today is that if you're a fan, that you become a follower. And if you are a follower already, you say, I'm already on my way to heaven. That you will become more committed to the things of God and to whatever local assembly that you're about because we're all here together to make disciples and go out and share with others that are hurting and that are broken. It's not about us. It's not about you. But it's about going out and sharing what you've got, what you've been given to somebody else. So now I think we're ready. I want to look at this in scripture. We're going to look at John 6 today and I'm going to do a lot of reading really this the, the scripture the word of God becomes alive and quick and I could stop right there but there's some other things that God wants me to share but I want us all to turn to John 6 and I'm not going to be able to read all of it but I want you all if this week just kind of meditate on this thing John 6 and we're going to first start at 1 through 14 chapter and it says, after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company coming to him, he saith unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he knew himself knew, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother, saith unto him, there is a lad, there is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so then the men sat down and number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves. This is a familiar story, but it's, it's definitely worth repeating over and over again. Jesus took the loaves, and when he had been given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down. And likewise of the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above until then, them had, that they eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, so you see the miracle, there were five, and they made it enough for so many people met so many in the crowd that came that day five barley loaves then those men when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did said this is of a truth that prophet that should come into the world so they've gotten their bread Jesus has multiplied it the crowd has come now let's go to Matthew not Matthew but John 22nd so then it says the day following when the people which stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was none other boat there save that one with whither unto his disciples were entered and that Jesus went not with his disciples into the boat but that his disciples were gone away alone how 
Howbeit there came other boats from Tiberias nigh unto the place where they did eat bread. After that, the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took shipping and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? And Jesus answered them. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you yea, seek me, not because you saw the miracles, but because you did not eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perished, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you for him hath God the Father sealed. Then they said unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. They said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then, that we may see and believe thee? What dost doest thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert at his risen. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not the bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto the Lord, Evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. Hey, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye shall also, ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and he that cometh to me I will no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Hey, and this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me I should lose nothing should raise it up again at the last day and this is the will of him that sent me and everyone which seeth the son and believeth on him may have everlasting life and I will raise him up at the last day I am the bread of life he that cometh to me shall never hunger he that believeth on me shall never thirst some came for Jesus but there was a crowd just coming for his bread, coming for his miracles, coming for his stuff. They were just fans hanging around. But they didn't want the bread of life. They didn't want the bread of life and what Jesus had to give them. They just wanted the natural stuff. So today I ask you, do you just want his stuff? Or do you just want him? Do you want to be a fan? Or do you want to be a follower? To Jesus Christ so what we're going to do is look at three things three things that's going to help us kind of help you to see hmm, maybe I'm a little maybe I thought I was this but maybe I'm not really or you know maybe I'm doing a little bit better than maybe I thought I was and our first thing we've got to do is DTR. That can be like a little text in lingo or something like that. But DTR is defining the relationship. Define the relationship. 
I want you to find the relationship between you and Jesus. What exactly is your commitment level right now? Where exactly are you? We've got to define this thing. Sometimes we don't make making minor changes in our lives, but Jesus wants to really turn our lives upside down. We want him just to do a little touch-up work, and Jesus says, hey, I come to do a whole 360, a complete renovation. We come thinking, oh, I just need a little tune-up, but he's at a whole overall, a whole, not a little makeup, but a whole makeover is what Jesus wants to do. He wants to completely remodel you. Now, some, I'm going to warn you, because some people even now, just this whole conversation about where I stand, it could be making you a little uncomfortable, just a little anxious. Um, you may be saying, I can't, I can't do this. Uh, you just made me thinking of all the things where you cannot really feel committed. I mean, he seems like a good guy, this Jesus. And, you know, I like having something to do, you know, on the weekends. But when it comes down to this, I don't know if I really have time for a relationship right now. I don't really have time if I have, you know, to be really committed. I don't, a no-strings-attached arrangement. Is that what you want, where you can connect with him from time to time? But it doesn't really matter if it messes with the rest of your life. Again, do you want to be a fan of Jesus? Or do you want to be a follower? In Luke 9, 23, it says, Jesus put it this way. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Followers deny themselves. They take up their cross and they follow after Jesus. A fan is just simply just an enthusiastic admirer. Oh, yeah. Have you heard about Jesus? They always talking about, you know, at my church, yeah, and we fell on the floor and we shouted and we just real enthusiastic about all the things of God. But at the end of the day, you don't want to do the things that are going to keep you connected with God. You know, as we read through the Bible, and I hope you that's a part of your book in your library. I, I brought this Bible today because I like the, the Bible sometimes better than on my phone. But I hope you're still reading and taking time to read the Bible throughout the week. Because as we read throughout the Gospels, you're going to find examples after examples. Well, Jesus said, put people in positions of choice. He said, you're going to have to choose. It's a choice. I'm not going to beg you. You know, on, on Sundays, whatever church that you may go to, I'm not going to beg you. You're here with some of you are here with your moms today. Your mamas shouldn't have to beg you. Daddy shouldn't have to beg you. Because I heard a saying a long time ago, though, because if I beg you to come, I'm going to have to beg you to stay. Y'all heard that? And, and that's not the kind of relationship that you want. Oh, I, if, mama, if mama didn't tell me to go to church, I'm not going. You know, we've got a lot of college students and things like that. And I remember, you know, college was the first time where I had to choose if I'm going to go to church or not because mama wasn't there saying get up and go so even college students before college and then after graduation what, what are you going to do after then what does your life look like with God you know we have this talk in lots of relationships whether they're friendships or they're romantic relationships you say you know what is what are we doing where are we going to be are, are we committed are we are we, are we taking it up another level do you want to see where things stand and just, you know, find out what you have as it's revealed? Or do you, are you setting it up with that person and saying, you know, we are going to be together. We're going to be together. We're going to establish this. What we have is a relationship. I can give you an example. A lot of you, I've told the story about even um, Pastor Tony and I, 
when we met, we met on a bus and we were just talking, but there came a point in our relationship in college where me more specifically had to choose what what is this going to do? He always said, if you didn't come by my, it was one night I was tripping. He said, if you didn't come by my room that night, I was done with you. I was done because I was just, but, but what it was, was I was still, and, and, and women and, and ladies hear me carefully. I had been in a relationship in high school that this person was just kind of like making me feel like something was wrong with me. That, you know, that, oh, something, you know, when you get yourself together. Oh, you know, you're not ready for this yet. And the enemy will do that holding on for years and years. Oh, we going to get together. Oh, we may get be getting married. Oh, we may be doing this holding on. Your life just kind of wasting away. And I'll never forget. Didn't know God like I was now. I was just unsure. I was like, oh, but God said, it was like, he's like, you got to choose. Are you going to stay with what's familiar? Are you going to choose something that looks a whole lot different? That you just have a friend that's something that looks totally opposite from what it was and again I didn't know God and couldn't sing about God like I know but I never forget it was the moment of, of decision where God was like make this choice are you going to be cycling and circling around the same old mountain over and over and over again off of somebody else's wishes and promises of what they're going to do and what your life yes. women men your life you're worth more than holding on yes. to some promises of people who ain't never going to come through and are not committed. And you can say, PT said, PT tell him, PT said, you can tell him, LT said that. You can tell him that because your life, you are more valuable. You're more precious than just to be holding on. Somebody else got everything off. They're playing games with you. And God has given us enough wisdom and understanding and his spirit to let us know what is real and what is not. What is real and what is not? Even here, I had to bring it on home. So we, we got our personal relationships. But I said, even here in Fellowship Church or whatever you're going to, we got to define our relationship as far as church and our own pastor. And I'll say this again because I can say it. He is not your hype man. He is not your old Pastor Tony. Oh, I love the way you speak and you sing so, you sing so great and you can do this and you can stomp your feet and you run over here and oh, you just made me have a good time. Oh, that word. If you love him and you've heard what he has said, he says, be a hearer and a doer of the word. Don't just come up in here just saying, oh, oh, giving me likes on clicks on Facebook and telling all this stuff. We have got a kingdom of God to build up. And I know sure enough will not let that happen for people to take people's gifts and suck off people's gifts. And you at home just sleeping and doing whatever you want to do. And people laying out before God. This has been a hard year for my friend and my husband. He carries this church, this ministry in his heart. Five years old from when this thing was started. So we got to define it, Fellowship Church. What are we going to do? Are we going to be fans? Of Jesus fans of Pastor Tony are we going to follow him as he follows Christ in the name of Jesus we're going to follow him as he follows Christ hallelujah God has entrusted us with leaders and that whether it's this pastor or whatever pastor that you're you're up under you should be saying what can I do what can I do what can I go go into the house of the Lord to make things even easier or to lift the kingdom of God that's the work we're doing. We're not doing just a show and a great experience. We are building up the kingdom of God. Jesus was never impressed.
with the size of crowds. We want growth, yes, because we, the more people that come, we feel like we're making an impact. Never is concerned about the size of crowds and bigger buildings and all this other stuff like that. That's not what it's all about. We pray God gives us wisdom as God sends people and entrusts us, hallelujah, because there's more work when that happens. So some people, you know, you got to be wondering what do they really want? Because there's more work, there's more love that you have to show. There's more grace that has to be given. Somebody that you thought you, you know, you saw all the time. Now you got to go get, you know, give it to somebody else who was a new baby. So everybody has to mature when people and stuff come. So it's not about the crowds. It's the commitment level that God cares about. And that's what, that's what's going on. I have a concern about just churches today. I think that a possibility that instead of being community of followers, that we just, at some places, a stadium full of just, oh, Jesus. But then when you leave here. Can't even acknowledge you. Can't even tell him I love you, Jesus. Can't even say anything about him. We may wear a cross. I got a nice one. Oh, this is, I have to tell you a story. My mother-in-law gave me this cross. And so I wore it today because I hold her dear in my heart. And so I honor her for Mother's Day as well. But, but I'm not fronting um, with this cross. I don't just wear it just to say that, oh, I love Jesus. No, I believe in me what I say when I wear this cross and you can come to church and you can know every song and you can sing up here with us and, and all the other stuff but I want you to know it just does not necessarily make you a follower of God God is calling you I hope you hear even now he wants you to be committed and sold out to him Jesus didn't come to this earth so that you would be even better behaved or to tweak your personality or fine-tune your manners or smooth out your rough spots. He wants total transformation. Total transformation. The objective of the gospel is not to make you a well-behaved person, but Jesus is literally going to turn your life upside down. We've said that here. Once you decide to follow Christ, it is the best decision of your life. But it's not going to be without challenges. It's not going to be without you still having to make a choice. When I die to myself, I live for him. And I find that the life is truly life. So whether you have called yourself a Christian since childhood or all this is just new to you. You know, this may be your first time coming to church. And I'm so glad you're here. But Jesus would clearly define what kind of relationships he wants to have with you. He ain't going to sugarcoat it. He's not going to dress it up. He's going to tell you through his word exactly what it means to follow after Christ. So define that relationship. DTR. Hope you're thinking about, hmm, hope you're thinking about it right now. Number two, as you are thinking about defining the relationship, you got to say, is Jesus my one of many or is he my only one? Is Jesus my one of many like he's, or is he my only one? Matthew 6, 24 says, Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. No two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other or either he will be devoted to one and despise the other you, you just can't do it I believe that God is still telling us but in Matthew 6 don't seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that you want that you desire that you hope you dream seek God first seek God first about it he is my first choice somebody would say that that's my God Jesus is my God. Like, I'll ride and die with Jesus. I love him. He's my friend. And the awesome thing about that, guys, is he chose me.
because I, I feel like I was just minding my own business and he just apprehended me in a way that just kind of found me where I was because he knew that I needed him. But today, this is what we all have to do is I choose him back. He chose me, but most importantly, I choose him back. It's got to be a two-way commitment. We, we talk about this all the time. Relationships are built on trust. He can't be doing all the work and you not be doing nothing. And we say, so, but God, I thought I tried you. I thought that, you know, I did everything that I thought I was supposed to be. But really, really have you? We've got to trust in the Lord. Another one of my favorite scriptures. With all of thine heart. And lean not until your own understanding. But in all thy ways. Every way. School, marriage, career choices family, children, in all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct thy path. Yes, he does. A fan says, I love you, and I'm committed to you, but guess what? I don't want to be exclusive. <laughs> That's another funny word. Exclusive. You remember that? Oh, Pastor Tony, I just, we'll tell that story another day. But I don't want to be exclusive. You have to be exclusive with Jesus, your one and only. That's the kind of relationship he's looking for. And so I talked about, you know, that choosing. I, and he chose me and I'm choosing him back. So this is how it looks, guys. Choosing looks like sacrifice, okay? You're not going to be able to do whatever you want. It looks like sacrifice, but there is great reward in choosing Jesus. It looks like having to deny this flesh. No, you can't go there. Yeah, you may have to get up. You may have to say no sometimes. But those are the, those sins, those things we think our pleasures are really not. Choosing looks like being obedient, like we just talked about. Choosing looks like making a decision a decision when you have to stand alone. Can, can you do that? Make a decision versus, and, I, and I'll say this to graduates again. I remember when I was graduated from college. Again, you're growing into this individual. And so there were some things that even my mother, my father, my friends, there were some things that I had to stand and make the choice for Jesus on my own. Power and choice. I'm telling you, it's all about choices. Now, there's a lot of things that you can do, but the choices that you make, is it going to give life or is it going to bring death to some things? God will put you, he will put the right people in your life to help you. So when I say exclusive, yes, we always go to the Father. We always trust in him. But I believe, and we've been saying even around Fellowship Church, we can't do this thing called life just on our own. You can't just be all by yourself. You need people around you. You need good friends. You need good family members. You need a good body. You need a good support system. You need that. So when this happens, right, he's going to put those people in your life. Because now, you know, Pastor Tony will even say it too. It's go get a therapist if there's some things that you need God to deal with. Go get that therapist. Talk them through there. There's some emotionally things that they, these people are skilled and you have um, steps that you can follow out. Go talk to them. Talk through them. With it th talk with it through them. You may have a best friend, a family member, coworker, teacher, pastor, wh whatever. You have a circle. But this is the thing I found about that and what God was telling me. You still have to know the voice of God. Yes. You still have to know when, okay, I'm going, okay, therapist, yeah, I hear you, but mm, okay, not right now. Or okay, best friend, I hear you, and you can say, this is God, or this is not God. So these people, it's okay, again, with having the people, extending yourself, reaching out, but still lean not to your own understanding, or those that are still flesh. Take that stuff before the Father. Say, God, is this you, or is this not you? I know what they're saying, 
and it sounds good, but is this really God? So you have to know when it's them that God is using, when it's God, or if it's the enemy trying to set you up for something that's going to take you further apart from God. Know who the, what the voice is. And so my third thing is there is no, and this is going to help you know a lot of times in church and it's kind of like Christian, I want to know. It's like, God, how do I know the voice of God? It's always a question. You're always saying, God, you know, give me the grace to know if this was you. I, I thought this was you, but I believe a good man's steps are ordered. And I believe when we're defining our relationships and knowing this about God, there is no following Jesus without believing in him. There's no following him if you don't believe in Jesus. You may know about him, but you don't have an intimate, a close relationship with him. So many mothers and grandmothers, hallelujah, we thank God again for them because they are the ones that really, some of them through the generations, have introduced you to God into church. We're losing a lot of that, and I pray we get back to that. But again, you can't go off the God of your mama and your grandma. But at some point, you're going to have to choose ye this day who you're going to serve, who you're going to be committed to, who you're going to love, who you're going to follow. Hallelujah. They can't be there with you every single second of the day. And at that point for mothers, that's when you say, I've trained them in the ways of God. I trained them up in the way that they should go. And when they're old, they will not depart from what I put in them. Jesus isn't looking for half-hearted followers. He has no interest in Sunday Christians. He explains that the following it's just not something, guys, you can do halfway to really get to know Jesus. You've got to study. You've got to be in a body of believers. You've got to do those things. Come to Bible studies. Paul knows all about that. Paul's life was dramatically changed when he decided to follow Jesus. He describes this as saying, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Hallelujah. But it's Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now that's somebody that I would say, oh, I got to follow and be after. Because he says, I'm all in. Jesus said, come on, take up your cross daily. And Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ because Christ is living in me. That's the kind of relationship Jesus wants you to have with him. When I die to myself, I live for him. You've got to follow him. Back in Luke, it says, Luke, that scripture we read earlier, if anyone wants to be my follower, you've got to follow Jesus. And what's really interesting when I was studying is outside of the church context, you know, we, you don't really hear, hear disciple too much. It's not a part of, you know, just everyday culture and customs. But discipleship was very common in Jesus' day. Jesus was a Jewish rabbi with Jewish disciples living in a first century Jewish world. And, and most Jewish boys and girls around the age of six, they go to school and they're already training them up to learn the Torah, which is where they get a lot of their instructions. And they would say, you know, some of them would kind of up until about 14 or 15 years old, they were that intentional about training their children up in the way, ways of God. And some, the rabbi would say, come follow me. At age 14, they were ready. And that 14 and 15, they would have to leave their family and friends. And they devoted their entire life to the footsteps of this rabbi. That's what it means to be a disciple. The family had a traditional blessing that they would say, whenever their son set off to be a disciple, they say, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. In other words, may you follow in the footsteps of your rabbi so closely. Your teacher, that rabbi, like back in the day was Jesus, that you are covered in the sand kicked up on by his sandals. 
May you be covered in the dust of your rabbi, your teacher. Who are you following after? Whose sandals? Who's, what dust are you getting on your feet? What you listening to? Who are you hearing? And this is going to be exactly what Jesus is challenging us to do. To follow in his steps. To teach what he taught. To do what he did. Now obviously, nobody's ever seen Jesus face to face. That's always a challenge. You know, we've, we've never seen him. Not physically. But even today and even before, I've, I pray and I know that you felt God's spirit. You felt his spirit. And that's why Peter explains Christ himself. He said, I'm going to follow you, Peter said. And that's why God, all the gospels, if you get, if you can read, go back and John, read all the gospels of Jesus. And it tells about all, how all of those disciples, how they followed him. So to be a follower of God, we need to be completely devoted in developing a relationship with him. God says to man, I want to be first in your life. I want you to choose me. God has given us salvation and it's free. It is free, not by works. Remember I talked about that earlier. It's not by works, how you can be good and clean up and do all this other stuff. We cannot earn this. It is free gift through grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone. Salvation in Christ gives you and me the power over sin and death. You can't do this on your own. You won't have the power over sin and death without Jesus. And because of that, the least I can do is give my life completely to him and let nothing, let nothing stand in between God and me. The way to eternal life and being a follower of Jesus doesn't stop with asking Christ into your heart. It doesn't stop with saying, shaking that preacher's hand and saying, you know, I said that prayer today. It doesn't stop there. True repentance and salvation goes beyond saying a simple prayer. True salvation brings transformation. If you don't hear anything else I say, I want you to hear that very clearly. True salvation brings transformation. Repentance brings transformation. Transformation in a sense that I no longer want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. Because now I want the things that are going to bring God's glory. That's what I want. Hallelujah. Not what I want, but God, your will be done in my life. I want to act, think, worship, speak, love in such a way it would bring the maximum glory. Hallelujah. That I can give possibly to God. I live for him. I long for him and now hate the very sin I used to love. Isn't that something? You guys have been there. So the closer you get to God, some things you thought you could never stop doing. But the power of God came in and started transforming your mind, your heart, your spirit, hallelujah, your soul. And now you can stand the very taste of it. You can't watch it anymore. It disgusts you. God is transforming you. God is changing you. More like Jesus. More like him there's got to be it there has to be radical transformation in your life a longing a hunger I know God more so if you're feeling like man do I know God more then you got a question if this isn't happening to me what where am I at with my salvation have I been walking away from God am I am I really close to him and so I ask you this as I'm closing where are you today are you a fan or a father? Are you happy with barely knowing God, having the basic knowledge and 
just struggling, I tell you, struggling with the same thing, the same sins over and over and over again. Mm. I don't like to struggle. I have, but I don't like to struggle. I truly would believe that everyone that accepted Christ wants to learn what it means to be a follower. You want that relationship of wisdom and dedication. A follower settles for nothing less than the transformation through sanctification. That is God doing a work in them of making you holy, 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 holy. He is holy. Yes, he is. He is holy and righteous. And I can be too because of Christ. I can be too because of Christ. Some of you in here, I can feel like you are close to making that leap and to be a fan or follower. But there's something in your life that's got a hook in you. Something's in your life that's still trying to hold on to you. Some of you, it could be money. Some of you, it, it may be just the control. I'm telling you, that control is something and it comes in different ways and different forms. You're trying to control your life. You're trying to control your destiny. You're trying to control what comes in, what goes out. You got to let go of it. Not be afraid that you're going to lose your life. I think that's it sometimes. If I give this up for God, I'm going to lose everything. No, you're going to gain peace and wisdom and joy and understanding and love and sweet sleep. Just simple stuff that people are not doing today they all in their head thinking about stuff anxious and worried about the next thing but we can let it go and be free to accept God I take on your mind I take on your spirit I take on your righteousness I take on your love and your grace and your mercy God so that I become more like you let go of the anger let go of trying to be, and we preach around here and trying to a full gospel. We want you to be entrepreneurs. We want you to have your best. We want you to be prosperous. We want you to be all that God has come for you to be. But don't let your life get all wrapped around it. Being too worried about this, even with your bosses and pleasing them versus pleasing God. They got you staying there all hours of the night and you can't even be mamas the mamas and the people that you need to be for your children which is your first ministry and your first priority. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. And I, it's just, God is so awesome, but that's what he is requiring for us. We've got to be more committed, y'all. We've got to keep things in the middle of the road and we will find it. When we seek him, we will find him. If we ask it, he will let us know. If we go to God in prayer. So what are you going to give up today? Jesus said it's easier for a camel to go through the eyes of a needle. Think about that. A camel go through the eyes of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Given up, the disciples were amazed and wondered when who then could be saved. They're like, Man, nobody can get in with that. But Christ said, With man, it's impossible, but with God, it's not. No one, listen to me, no one, listen, 
no one who gives up everything to follow me will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age than in this eternal life. You can trust him. You can believe in him. You can let it go. He has something for you. He has an exchange for you. If anything pulls you away from God, no matter how much you like it or enjoy it, quit it. Quit it. You can't let anything stand in between you and God. It's worth too much, y'all. It's worth too much. Everybody stand. today is first we're looking at defining our relationship am I a fan or a follower is he one of many or is he my only one and then most importantly I'm asking you today and I'm here to agree with you if there's anything that you need to let go of anything that's hindering you anybody on the fence who's I'm scared give up too much to follow Jesus we are here as a body to pray with you to help you hallelujah so every head bowed every eye closed you know where you are you know where you are so we ask God just to have his way as he searches your heart and your mind Everything I need 
for tuning in today with Fellowship Church. We pray that you were blessed by the message and we would like to connect with you through our website, fellowshipws.org or facebook.com slash at the fellowship. If you are ever in the greater triad area, we would love for you to be our VIP for weekend worship experience on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. On behalf of Pastor Tony and the Fellowship family, thank you again for joining us. And remember to love God, love people, and impact the world.